0: Welcome to this episode of Spiritual Onesay. My guest for today's episode is Emily. I've never had a guest like Emily before, so I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with her. Like most people who have had spiritual shifts, Emily too cannot be bottled into a specific introduction. So if I introduced her just as someone who can communicate with other species, that would be incorrect. There's actually a lot, lot more. And I think it would be best if you continue listening and you'll just understand what I'm trying to say there. Emily runs a animal sanctuary, which is meant as a space for human and animal interaction, which can lead to greater spiritual development. I am going to be dropping in her website link in the description box. Please, please, please do check it out. There's just lots of great stuff happening. And uh, there's just so much more. That's why, you know, I mean, I really am short of words. Trying to introduce her to you, so it would be great if you visited uh, her website because there's just so much more. She's also the author of uh, the book All the King's Horses, great book there. Please do check that out. So, without so, let me just get on with the conversation. Thank you, Emily, for joining in. Super excited to have you here. So, I really mean it when I say I'm really excited because I have never had a guest like you on the show. So thank you so much for saying yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, I've already I have a lot of um, friends uh, who are very passionate about animals and uh, spiritual awakenings. I'm already thinking like you know this better be out soon so I can send it to them soon so. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. So Emily, I'm going to just you know start off with my first question for the benefit of uh, the people listening in. I had read about this story on your website, but just for people who haven't like really uh, you know they have, um, uh, visited your website or haven't read your book, um, you had your first spiritual awakening uh, when you were a child, and this was uh, with a pony, right?
1: Yes, that's true. Uh, when I was a child, I was. Uh I was riding in a riding school, like like many children, uh, when they want to get closer to horses, and like many riding schools, uh, uh, sadly, also today, um, what the children learn is how to control the horse mm-hmm. uh, and and to make the horse obedient, and and in a way, that whole mind frame or attitude will will prevent uh, any deeper relationship to take place. Uh, also on a spiritual level actually. And and on the other side, I think we are deep down, we are drawn to animals because we know that they can uh, that they can see something in us that we are longing for and that they are somehow non-judgmental in, in their character. So I think part of us is drawn to animals because we know there is a deeper link uh, but we, we learn that we have to control them. So so there is this contrast between what is inside and what we believe we have to do. Um, and, and most animals uh, being dependent on humans to survive, I mean, we tame the horses and give them food so they can't survive by themselves. They have to adapt to these rules or they will be put down. Right. So, so um, they somehow they they close off. They they also lose their link to their inner nature in a way uh, and become civilized like us. <laughs> uh, but for for some reason, this particular pony, uh, she wasn't possible to. It wasn't possible to break her down. Uh, she was really protesting against everything people tried to do to her. Uh, and and this fascinated me because I understood that she had something, uh, but I, it also scared me. I think for humans we are naturally afraid of things we can't understand uh, or that we can't control. Right. Uh, so so I was drawn to her as much as I was afraid of her, and and then one day I was standing outside of her stable and we were looking at each other, um, and. Somehow, the difference between us was, was taken off. I mean, to me, it was spontaneous. I'm, I'm sure there were very many steps taking place before that, but they would be unknown to me. There was no uh, training as such. Um, I had a, a complicated upbringing. Uh, my father was, uh, was a scientist in abstract mathematics. Uh, and he was uh, in the autistic spectrum and he died when I was very young uh, and then uh, my mother couldn't raise me because she had issues with herself so I ended up with my grandmother who was uh, a natural healer and speaking with angels but so it oh, okay. was this uh, a very big mess <laughs> uh, which I now uh, I'm grateful for but when I was a child it was complicated. Uh, so I, I just tried to be with the horses. But but I guess in all those trials that happened when I was younger, that could be, uh, I, I think, in a way, this meeting with this pony was a blessing. Uh, it, it's like there's, even when we think that, you know, God or whatever has totally forgotten about us, there are still some openings that might give us exactly the glimpse we need just not to give up, kind of. So, I guess this, this meeting was, a, in a way, a gift. Um, because what happened was that the difference between us was erased somehow. So, I ended up inside of her reality and she ended up inside of my reality. But it didn't mean it was a mix-up. I, I didn't believe I was her. I didn't lose myself in her, but somehow my self included her as well. So we were sort of sharing the same bubble of, of consciousness in a way. And, and, and what happened then was that I felt a very strong sense of uh, grief and desperation. Um, almost like she tried to scream to the world that, that this was wrong. This whole setup at the writing school, uh, her entire life was suffering and, and no one could hear her. And that gap between the inside and reaching out to the outside world was something I could relate to. So when I could see and feel her reality inside of me, I also had to face my own story, you could say. Mm -hmm. It's like it's impossible to open up only one way. (laughs) For me to see her, she would also in an equal way see me. and that would then mean that the idea of the separate self um, was so knocked out of order <laughs> that it couldn't really go back to as it was before. Uh, I think some events in our lives, they, they change us. Even if we go back to what you could call normal afterwards, uh, there is not, not really a going back because your whole outlook of life has changed right so and it scared me because I didn't know how it happened and the very strong emotions that was in that experience scared me and um, and the and the whole thing was so unpredictable and on the other side I was longing for it to happen again because now I knew that there was a way out of my own isolation in a way so so I went to my grandmother Uh, and told her what happened and she just said, it's normal. (laughs) Uh, And she would say that about very many things. And I think that was a very good way of receiving it. Because as a child having these experiences, I think the adults very often tell you that it's just in your imagination or they see it as a fairy tale and, and slowly you shut it down because the outside world keeps telling you that it's not real. So you stop listening to it in a way. And she never said that, and she never made it special either. She just said, "It's uh, this can happen, and it's it's okay." Well, absolutely, so us- you need somebody like
0: that, I think, to kind of you know, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, like to have that kind of an intense experience. It can yeah. be very overwhelming.
1: Yes, uh, I think um, I guess that's why lots of spiritual practice is repeating things and in repeating our practicing uh, we we can catch a glimpse uh, of a wider uh, reality because a glimpse is what our psyche can handle. And and then Mm. (laughs) because we need to be able to to encompass it back into our life and integrate it. Uh, So that because I think the biggest challenge is to change in our everyday life. Uh, to, to bring these these experiences back, to put them into practice in daily life. Uh, we need to do it piece by piece. <laughs> it, right. it can't happen all, all at once. So it's very overwhelming, and, and then we get time to to uh, for the transformation. And then perhaps there is another glimpse. And eventually, perhaps the glimpses are coming so often that they turn into more of a state of being. Uh, but it's like we need to get used to something that goes outside of our frame of mind. Because I remember when I was uh, younger than this, I was 11 at this time. And but when I was younger, before my father died, so I must have been like four years old, three or four. I was constantly pondering <laughs> over whether the universe was expanding or not. Uh, I couldn't stop thinking about this subject, Uh, and it it scared me, (laughs) because (laughs) because if it didn't expand, it would mean that it was eternal. And then I would say the word eternal until I had a panic attack, (laughs) uh, because it was too overwhelming, and I had to stop. Uh, And then I was thinking if it's, if it is expanding, it means that there has to be an end to it. What if we walk to the end? What if I take myself to the end of the known universe? And what if I try to get past that? Will I then vanish uh, because I get outside of existence? Or can it be stretched? And and I think that's quest- that question is still uh, with me. It, it might be with me all this life. <laughs> um, so I guess it's about the expansion of what our mind can take in and and we are so small in this huge entirety. So I guess the meeting with this pony was was a glimpse of that we are able to expand. We we can get past that that boundary of what we have known from before. But we can only I believe we can get there by things we do in in our practice, but we can't control whether it will happen or not because the rest is uh, is uh, up up to the rest of the to God to its its mercy or it's up to the greater entirety. We we can't uh, we can only do our bit, and then we will never know where it will take us. Mm. It's not a it's not a, a safe road, <laughs> uh, or uh, it's not a, a given road, you, you could say, uh, but it's it's there all the time. But there's definitely some higher consciousness or higher
0: intelligence watching over the road. Would you say that?
1: Yes, I, I would say that. Um, and and I also feel that in, in conversations with animals, because since this experience, uh, meeting other individuals of other species in this way is now my my life my everyday life and my work and and uh, my home life and everything is, is around that and and i would say that most species that i meet they relate to something that is bigger than us not only that that the divinity would be inside of us but it's also outside of us in a way it's like it is also uh, some sort of greater awareness that surrounds us and and other species seem to feel an immediate trust uh, in this. Um, I never heard an animal have a, an, an, an image or or any relation to to what we would call punishment or or hell or evilness uh, that is outside of us. Uh-huh. They, they, uh, they, they do uh, refer to something that you could call divinity or God, whatever word we choose to use, would always be a bit limited, I suppose. But in in that concept, there is a kind of kindness that they seem to relate to, and that we seem to, as humans, maybe forget about or that we have. Um, um, distanced ourselves from perhaps or that we created cultures around uh, or or religious uh, ideas that that put more more fear into it i I don't really find that in other species Mm -hmm. I'm going to just, uh, you know,
0: get into this, uh, because, you know, uh, like you said, you're able to communicate with, or like, you know, I mean, I feel it's more than communication, what you uh, talked about is basically, you know, the unity concept, which uh, in yes. non-du- non-dual theory, like, you know, it's spoken about, yes. uh, you know, in a lot of our Indian philosophy and stories of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, uh, spiritual teachers and saints, you know, there are various stories where they talk about the saints experiencing the pain of an animal. Like you know, mm-hmm. even the physical pain, because the unity consciousness is so much. Like uh, so, but when you're talking about this communication with like another species, in your case, you have had like a, a you know a large experience with horses. Do you feel like that some species, like maybe it's if it's a wild animal, they deliberately may not want to communicate? Do you think it's I harder think it, to, or it doesn't think, matter? Uh,
1: no, I I don't think it matters. But if it is harder. Uh, it would be because of me. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that everything that is alive is in a way constantly communicating because we are always sharing something. Uh, even if we are totally silent and trying to <laughs> close yeah. ourselves off, we're, we are at least sharing that. <laughs> so I think for, for as long as we are alive we keep telling our stories. And, and I also believe that we 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 want to reach out because somehow this life is so magnificent. So like little children, when they start to talk, uh, we can't really be quiet about it. Mm. <laughs> we, we, we need to tell others what we are experiencing. And, and we, we want to hear what others are experiencing. And even if this, like you say, non-dual communication, it's a very good word, Um, uh, even even there, there there is this longing to know the other one. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that's there, uh, whether we are a tree or a plant or any kind of animal. Um, So I think that communication is not limited at all by time or form or, or anything. But then when it comes to reaching out to humans I think some species are in a position of um I wouldn't say being closer to us but they perhaps they know us a bit more because they have been part of our civilization for longer okay and and, and like horses in, in where I come from that would be horses and dogs mainly and I guess in other cultures there would be other animals that have walked along our side for longer. Um, because what they seem to agree on is that humans uh, we are quite destructive for the planet at, at this time. And, uh, and and we need help uh, in order to to not be like that. because mm. if we are if we are destroying the life for so many other life forms, Uh, then it's natural for other species to try to to create a better balance and whoever uh, is closest to be able to talk to a human they will try that so there's no value in it it wouldn't be that a horse is more valuable uh, than any other species it's just that they they obviously see an opportunity to reach us and also the horses have have suffered a lot. Uh, We've used them in wars, uh, we used them for labor, um, and we're we're now using them for competitions that can be quite a painful experience. Um, And it seems to be that they wish uh, to change their role, to not serve us in the way they have done, but instead become our partners in helping us to try to change our consciousness. But I think if, if we as, as a human being wish to receive that help, we could turn to anything in this creation and and we would get an answer. Um, it, it, I, I could turn to to the, the plants that I have in my house or or the neighbor's cat or whatever I find around me, uh, there, there will there would be a link to a greater entirety if if I believe deep down that that's possible. So I don't think there is a difference between species, but also, when there is a meeting point, um, it means that as soon as my brain starts to analyse what I am experiencing, then some of that glimpse or link is lost, because my attention will then be turned towards my analysis, or my interpretation. So from that point, it, it turns into my story. So it's only a small glimpse that we're actually sharing. So in my work, I, I used I, I bring a recorder <laughs> or I have a recorder in the phone these days. So I just speak down that sort of an image of, a feeling of. So I try not to put my own um thoughts in it. It's it's unavoidable that it will happen, but I will try to do it as little as possible at least. And and then if i if i have a conversation a meeting i would say with with a horse or a dog or a cat or someone who lives close to my cultural experience then perhaps we have more to talk about but it will be more of a story perhaps if i meet a wild animal or an insect or or a sea plant or someone who lives with a completely different completely different outlook on life maybe i will not be able to phrase it maybe it will be so abstract that it's hard for me to translate but the experience wouldn't be any less oh, that's beautiful
0: i'm just going to come to this thing like you know where um you know like you said um these stories so human beings carry a story like our entire personality is a story and that story yeah. is nothing but a memory maybe or an idea of something that the future should be which i'm presuming yeah. animals don't have they don't have that individual ego i mean i'm not talking about the survival instinct that's a different uh thing i yeah. suppose you know but uh you know the personal idea of me mine and you know uh yeah the, that, that story some preserving animals don't carry that story So. With animals, are they constant? Because we, in our practices, a lot of our practices are also about mindfulness. Let's be there in the present. Yeah. Are animals always in the present or do they also have some concept, maybe not the way of like time like we have, but are they also flitting constantly through that uh, time and space continuum? Or is it like, this is now. Even if I'm suffering, it's now.
1: Yeah, th- this is a very interesting question because... There are similarities I, I feel, and there are differences. It's like I, I agree that the the concept of the ego is is different. They don't seem to develop this extra personality around the being like we do, but they do have a personality. Right. So I think so I think uh, we need to make a difference between the self and the ego. So mm-hmm. they 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 would have a self if the self would mean the unique creation of a separate living entity, and and that we are unique, and and we are somehow... uh, There is one horse that explained it a a little bit like, when we are born, we also get a toolbox with us. (laughs) And perhaps we don't know how to use the tools, and perhaps we're only using a few of them in a whole lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're all equipped slightly different. Uh, even if we are uh, twins, or very similar, uh, there will be a slight difference. So we have something unique. And, and I guess with most other species, they would describe it as Uh, To fully experience this uniqueness is what brings us closer to God, I mean, or closer to the center of life somehow. It's like we are meant to express our individuality. We're not meant to take that away, but the ego would be something else. The ego would be an identity with, with, with with a person that we have built around us that perhaps is not true to who we really are. Like, like the animals would describe the self, in order for us to become aware of that we exist, like we are aware of ourselves, uh, we need to be received by the outside world, and for animals and plants and everyone else, that seemed to come quite naturally, because whoever receives them is already in that state of mind, uh, unless they have been traumatized by our civilization. Um, but a wild animal is, is likely to be received by its mother uh, in some, by, and then by someone who really sees who they truly are. But for humans, if we are received by people who cannot see, look into our soul, if you would call it that, uh, we would start to build a person that we believe that the outside world wants us to be, uh, or what we need to do in order to survive. And that person and all our identification. It seems for animals that it's very important to experience everything to the fullest, but to identify with the experience would be something else. So in, in their concept of time, you could say that because they are so fully in the experience there is a now and then another now and then another now mm. but the now is perhaps not just one second the now could perhaps be expanded so if you would if, if you would think about time more, uh, more more as a circular thing than a line it's like we have horses here that are very good at foreseeing the weather And that's not because they go into the future. Uh, It seems to be that their now just reaches a little bit further, (laughs) because they they don't seem to feel it as a distance. But human time seems to be experienced, at least, as linear. And because time is linear, uh, we seem to relate more to the beginning and end of it, uh, which also creates um, Competition between us, uh, fear, and the sense that that death is the end of all things, while other species seem to see death as something much more circular, and that life sort of constantly keeps returning to itself. So, so our concept of time seems to be different. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it seemed to to create. Uh, uh, lots of distances, uh, and 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 comparison. Um, like only one thing could be right at the time, because everything would be compared to something else. While in, in, the, in the nonlinear time, it doesn't seem like we can compare things in the same way. So one thing doesn't outrule the other. So you could say that they have survival instinct and then they have this great wisdom because they were never really cut off from it, and they have an individuality because they they know that they are a separate creation, but their sense of self automatically includes more than just who they are. If you are a horse, the self will include you and the herd, for example. Okay. so it's if, if another horse in the herd is being hurt, you will immediately feel it. Uh, and you will immediately react to it. So they are less selfish in a way. They are less self-centered, perhaps is a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, while a human being seems to contain mainly of itself. And because of that, it seems like we, we suffer more. Um, we suffer more emotionally, perhaps. I mean other species will grieve when a close when a relative die, but they will not struggle so much with accepting it. So there, there is a, um, it seems to be a more immediate acceptance of the cycle of life. and And I think we could learn a lot from that. I wouldn't say that anyone is better than anyone else. I just think that humans we, we could learn much more from other species than what we tend to do. I think we forget that they can teach us lots of things. Right.
0: You know, uh, my past two episodes, actually, I've been concentrating around, like, you know, death and, uh, you know, basically, I prefer to call it just transition. And yeah. um, very interestingly, you know, the last speaker she spoke about, she said, you know, human beings carry a lot more complex suffering, which is more mind-related than physical
1: yes yes um, I, I would definitely say that yes. because we we, be, we believe in what we think it's like our brain when our brain is copying an experience yeah. uh, it, it becomes true to us uh, in in a way uh, and then we can't get out of it and and for for other species they, they also have thought the process of thought but that's what it is. It's like it's something that comes and goes. Emotions are something that comes and goes. And and, and they seem to accept that and we seem to hang on to it in, in a different way. So I think and we had one horse explaining that emotions is something that you feel inside yourself, your closed self. Uh, and compassion is something you feel in the opening between individuals. And therefore, compassion—like uh, compassion—will uh, help us uh, share our suffering or our pain. Um, but if we don't expand ourselves to include anyone else, then we do all of, of our suffering, emotional suffering, uh, and the identification with thought. It's all happening in a closed room. It's like we we can't get out, so it becomes our reality. And I think that particular way of of suffering or being overwhelmed seemed to be mainly f- for humans. So
0: would you say and, because uh, you know because we have this strong identification with the, both the body and the mind and our possessions, um, how does this impact uh, physical suffering? Because you know for us physical suffering, I mean, there's, I'm sure everybody feels pain. I mean that would be yeah, yes, stupid to definitely. Say, but Would the approach to that pain be different from an animal? And this is not to say that, you know, if you whip an animal, oh, he's not feeling pain. That would be stupid. But how, I mean, how does physical pain pan out for an animal vis-a-vis somebody like, you know, like a human body, which is constantly engrossed in this personality?
1: Yeah, it's it's very, very different. It's like if I communicate with animals that has a nervous system, it's like in, in my work, people come because uh, because they have problems with an animal and they want to try to solve it and then that means it's mainly mammals like dogs and cats and horses and sometimes cows and and they have a nervous system so I would say that their experience of pain is quite similar to mine but with that there is this huge variety I mean some feel pain very strong, some feel it less, Mm. some don't care about it. And for some, pain is such an overwhelming experience that it shuts out everything else, just like with us, actually. Okay. But what what I have noticed is that animals that that has a nervous system, and if they are mentally and emotionally in a good state, like they are happy with their lives, Mm. they handle pain a lot better. Then pain seems to be not really a big factor unless it's very bad. Um, They seem to suffer more from the limitation of not being able to live a natural life. Like if you are a horse and you're designed to, originally designed to be in very, very large open spaces and you are closed into a very small stable, then you will suffer uh, in this unseen way from not being able to express who you truly are that seemed to cause a sort of inner spiritual pain in a way mm. that, that is more difficult to handle than if you have pain in your leg. Right, uh, and, and then you have species without a nervous system. Uh, and it's funny because you think that when you walk on grass that that because you as a human would think that it would be horrible if someone walked on me, I could die. Mm. And so I that perhaps I am insulting the grass or giving it pain by walking on it but from the grass perspective it seems like the density of my weight helps the roots to grow stronger so if the grass is never walked on it will eventually grow weaker so it's like yeah. we we're, we're all uh, we're so differently designed um but the the inner pain of of not being able to express ourselves to be suppressed to be diminished uh, to not be respected um that seemed to be similar to all species, the, the great variety of species. Uh, but but the physical pain, uh, that is relating to how we are built. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, according to our personality and according to how we experience our situation, the more powerless you feel, the, the bigger could also the experience of pain be. Okay, while, if you feel that you have options or chances to change your your situation, uh, it seems to be easier to handle as well. And it might be the same for us. I, I don't know.
0: Well, you're right. I mean, I think as uh, you know, just like people talking about the surrender aspect. I think animals seem to have it more. When you said like you know, uh, yes, they do they believe, in. yeah. So yes, I think even in humans, I think uh, you know, when you have that concept, like you know, there is something bigger, and you are aware of that, and you start feeling it, I and mean, you can feel yeah. pain, but. Um, I think a lot of the pain diminishes. So, I mean, definitely when yeah. you're talking about these animals are constantly more in that conscious awareness, more than us, for sure. Yeah. So there might be, a, uh, you know, I'm just uh, talking aloud here, like there might be a distance yes, between, no. you know, that you know, there is this, some sort of a cushioning between that experience and the animal itself, maybe. You yes, and that? it's
1: like it's like you say when when you say it like that, I realize that it, it is about surrendering. Um, I think if humans are more isolated in general in, into our own reality, then surrender to us would mean could mean that we are moving out of of our comfort zone or or moving out of things that we believe that we can control. I mean, I I grew up in Sweden. It's a country where, which has not much poverty, uh, not much uh, n- natural disasters. Uh, people are are subconsciously brought up in the concept that we can control things. If if we mm. do things right, uh, th- they will turn out well. Uh, it's only when we have a personal loss or or something happening to us that this this belief system is being shaken. But before that we, we tend to believe that you do everything right and and you can control the outcome. And of course, from that state of mind, surrendering is much more difficult. Yeah. Uh, and and also you would have perhaps no reason to look for it. So So what we have in this culture is lots of people that are are uh, isolated in themselves and 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 uh, suffer from depression. Uh, to to a very large extent and and suicides because of the iso- the inner isolation because we believe that we we have to be able to to do everything by ourselves and if we don't it means that we are weak or or we have failed so right. that, that that's that's very sad actually so i think su- surrendering it's true it's it's an animal will quickly uh, quicker at least accept that okay now now these are the circumstances and then they they adapt to it because, because the the level of surrendering is somehow already there in a, in a way. It just made made sense when you said it like that. I'm going to go back, you know, come come
0: back to this death later because that is a very you know like a integral part of these conversations I'm having because I have a lot of listeners who are asked you know to speak about it and you know maybe it's the same thing but the perspectives are so different. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, let's get to this point, like, you know, because I feel, like you said, animals are always open to us. They're waiting for us to speak to them, understand through them, but we are not, right? Um, it we have it these...
1: seems uh, to be um, uh, more like that, at least, yes. Mm. Okay. Um, so uh, when you had
0: your first, like, you know, that uh, first experience, I'm sure you had many more after that, you know, the, the satori glimpses, as they are called. Um, that, did your mind completely quiet down? Like, is it like just there as a backdrop thing, or how, how is your equation with the mind right now? I mean, it's probably different for everyone with different openings.
1: Yes, I'm trying to think. I think for for as long as as the <clears throat> as the communication as, as when we are me and the other one are together in this same consciousness, then my mind is quiet. Uh, because it, it kind of has to be I think because there must be an emptiness for us to meet uh, but since it happens spontaneously to me and I don't use any practice where I quiet the mind awarely before it happens it mm. seems to to quiet itself when it happens then when when the conversation finishes and I, I go out, out to myself again, uh, then I'm then I'm stuck with myself, <laughs> just like like any other human being, and I start to worry about uh, paying my bills or what to cook for dinner or everything else. That, um, but I guess for every encounter with someone else, when I'm stepping out of my limitation, it makes me slowly it's like you're slow very slowly <laughs> polishing something uh, that perhaps the the, the fear uh, and and the, the stuckness of the mind uh, is becoming less over time mm. uh, it's it, it's like when i go into this meeting point uh, i i leave myself outside because otherwise it wouldn't work i leave the ego outside at least and and then I come back, and it's my duty then to try to encompass what I learn, and then the mind will will fight with me as much as it will with with anyone else, uh, and then I go back and forth. I I go back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess it's uh, there. I, I wouldn't. I don't. would not know if I would call it a meaning, but I think there is some th- meaningfulness. In, in walking that distance as a human being to go back and forth to practice and forget and and uh, the struggle with the mind and it seems to be part of our path uh, i wouldn't want to give it a meaning in itself so that you get stuck in it for that reason mm. but i guess as a human being the, the repetition in this practice seems to be unavoidable even if you have a very big experience that really changes you uh, I believe you still have to repeat your practicing uh, even afterwards uh, for as long as, perhaps for as long as we are in this body. All right. So your experiences, so this is
0: not like an on off button, like you say, you spontaneously fall into it. Now this is, I'm sure it's not just with the animals, it could be with any humans as well, right? You yes, just... it,
1: it, it, it could, uh, it could. Um, I think just with humans it's it is perhaps a bit less clear because we are we have so many veils. Uh it would be harder to know with a human on which mm. which level or dimension that you are actually meeting. Uh, the conscious the unconscious the subconscious the, uh, mm. we are we seem to be the only species that can uh, deceive ourselves <laughs> because the the way we believe in our <laughs> thoughts and and in our uh, emotions. So who is this person that I'm really meeting? Mm. Uh, who am I for <laughs> 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 uh, it's, it's a very complicated question. I love um,
0: that We are the only species <laughs> who can deceive ourselves so well yes yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs>
1: And it's it's part of our path, somehow. I mean, yeah. we were made this way, and we obviously have to walk this distance. Uh, b- but it's, uh, it's it's complex, definitely very complex to be a human being. But then in that case, if
0: it's with a human being, do you think you also pick up energy patterns, like which can like, I don't know, I mean, everybody's carrying some energy pattern, does that affect you? I mean, with animals, I think it's very safe to say they're very pure human beings have a different. with so much
1: yes yes. i I would say i would say that animals can also fall into patterns but there is a difference i mean for example i meet animals that has post-traumatic stress disorder from traumatic events Mm -hmm. and that is that is getting locked in yourself very strongly um but once they awaken from that they seem to choose the creative outcome uh, it, it's like if you are abused by a particular kind of person, you will try to avoid that person in the future. Mm. Uh, but we seem to find them again. If we have an abusive mother or father, we seem to find other figures in our lives that reminds us of them. It's like we 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 repeat our patterns. We we seek the repetition, given the choice, uh, and no one else seems to do that. Um, okay. even if we we choose something that is very unsafe if we know it from before it, it's somehow we are drawn to it mm. I, I don't know why we are um maybe because we uh, we are drawn to what we can foresee if we have linear time and time and our lives can constantly end I- even if that's not how we think maybe that is how we feel so if we find something that we can recognize, it makes us feel safe. Even if it's only for a second, uh, we like that recognition somehow. Uh, so w- we can be very destructive uh, in that sense. I think we can be very creative as well. Uh, but but that's a longer path. I think we as a, as a species, as, as humanity as a whole, we haven't really f- found our creativity in that sense yet I'm sure we can but it's uh, it might take a while
0: (laughs) would you say we keep creating loops and animals don't have that loop business they don't create this Okay.
1: no they don't create loops at all in the same way Uh, they they don't and I guess because they are less detached uh, Mm. from the source um, right i guess and and why we are and why we are sort of veiled from that and we need to to by choice find our way back it seems i i don't know animals that see that in us they they never put a value on it they wouldn't say that it's good or bad it just seems to be what we need to do we 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 can forget and and they don't seem to to lose the connection to their origin in in the same way.
0: There's so, no judgment, basically.
1: No, there is no judgment, mm. and and that's quite obvious. I meet, yeah. I mean, I meet lots of traumatized animals that have been abused, and they can, they can, ex- they experience it as a horrific thing. So they do suffer, mm. but they don't hate. It's like they, they 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 wouldn't want to suffer again, and they would avoid the person who who injured them. All right. Uh, but 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 it doesn't mean that they don't forgive them. That's not even really a subject. I, I think it's for for humans. Uh, love is is an emotion, and it's based on. Um, on how the other one is affecting us, we we love someone that is nice to us and we don't like someone who is not if if love is a is a state of being, then that you can't really get out of it. You would still you would you wouldn't like that someone hits you, but you don't have to dislike the individual deep down. It's not really the same thing right. so so I think it's. When, when animals speak about, or other species speak about uh, life outside of time, like, like death, um, they always describe a very strong sense of, of unconditional love. Um, so I guess if that's what we come out of, or that's where we go, it, it's something that we consist of, uh, and, and therefore we can always find it if we look. Um, but we can forget it. And uh, they can forget it too, but they don't seem to forget it for so long. And because they are like you say, they don't create as many loops. Uh they they can find it faster. And and once they find it, it's, it's harder for them to forget it again. And I, I guess that's really why they can help us so much. Right. You know, um when you talk about like this
0: communication with other species, right now, you know, I'm just keeping in mind animals, but I'm presuming you're able to go through, uh, you know, like you said, probably meeting them at a different dimension, which is not just at the physical level, that's why the communication, right? Yes, yes. Um, have you ever had openings into other dimensions completely, which had nothing to do with animals, maybe, I don't know, uh, more different terms, um, how to put it, yeah. maybe? Species or whatever, like uh, human yeah, kind. It,
1: yes, in, in in my case, if we would think about different dimensions, there are two different things that that also seems to spontaneously happen, and one is is animals or people or someone who is deceased, uh, depending on where they are. <laughs> Sometimes they can appear, um, but also what I would call more. Um, I don't know what to call it really, but more like s- s- spirits uh, in, in the forest, for example, like in nature, mm-hmm. seem to be beings that are uh, in another dimension, because I wouldn't say that they are without bodies, mm. but they are not as physical as us, uh, more transparent beings, uh, and often in, in natural environments that has been more undisturbed. Okay. Um, and sometimes in natural environments that has been disturbed, where there seemed to be some sort of healing taking place. Okay.
0: And yeah, just coming to that, you know, like, I mean, we were talking about this, I think humans have interfered everywhere. and Yeah, we uh, have. Everywhere. We have by now, I suppose, yes. Yes, I don't think we've left anything untouched. Um, and this goes both ways, you know, sometimes like as human beings, we also feel we come from that space that we are out there to save people, other species, mm-hmm. you know, so yes. like, you know, sometimes even you know, with animals in distress and I'm coming, you know, in India, we have a lot of like, I'm not even going further into a forest or anything, but even in a city environment, we have a lot of stray animals, which could yes. include stray dogs, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. stray cattle. Uh, you know, cats, these things, all right? Now, obviously, these animals have lost their, most of them have lost their instinct to survive because somebody feeds them, even if it's on the streets. Yes. But it's started creating a funny conflict, you know, uh, naturally because the animals are increasing. But there are some people actually don't like animals, they're scared of them or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. the reason. So there's a lot of, you know, angst that goes on, both for the animal. Uh, and uh, the humans trying to help or not trying to help, you know, mm. so I wonder how much does uh, as humans do we need to interfere in their lives? Now, how much is actually prudent, because you know, our helping doesn't come from a non-egoic space, most of us, we go out there believing that today if I feed the animal it will survive, or tomorrow, you know, maybe if it needs help, you know, I am there to save. So, most of it is coming from a very egoic space, not from a space of compassion. Yeah. So, how prudent is it to actually, like, even from this aspect? One aspect is we are destroying, yes, but the other aspect, you know, this I am there to
1: save or help. Yeah, it's that is is such a complex question uh, because I. S- I see the same thing. I meet uh, a lot of stray dogs that has been taken care of. I mean, they are coming through organizations and people rescue them and they keep them in their homes. And some of those dogs or cats, uh, they they adapt. But for some of them, it's very hard because they survived through particular skills, Mm. Uh, very very difficult lives sometimes. Uh, But they survive through particular skills and they have a kind of dignity in in knowing how to do that and we take all of their independence away from them mm-hmm. when we take care of them so then the question is is that the right way to take care of someone if that means that they lose their sense of of uh, independence do we do it for them or for us but if we leave them how am I. Now my computer did something fine. Sorry, oh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I, I solved that. Yeah. Uh, no, so uh, but then if if we leave them in the streets and they starve to death, that's suffering. And if we can do something about that suffering, aren't we supposed to do something? But then I guess the problem is that it's it's a, it's a system failure <laughs> in a way mm. because right. we don't know how to live together. Absolutely. So we can we can we can try to save all these individuals but they will just keep coming <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or we can then say that we can't do anything to help them because they are suffering also when we help them and what should we do and and they are both right from their different angles but in the end it's 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 a system failure because i guess because we have like you say we have interfered with every ecosystem on this planet Right. So and and so now, what is our duty? Because because we we understand at least a lot of us understand that we we need to try to to find a way back to how nature would choose it to be in the first place. Because because we create so much disturbance that we are risking the planet, or at least how to how we would be able to live on it. So. I guess what we need, to, what, in an ideal situation, we would stop whatever we're doing and try to listen to the other one. Uh, what would the other one really want us to do, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, to not just act immediately on what I feel that I want to do, uh, but what does the other one really want from me? Right. Is, is it? Uh, uh, and what could be done to create a balance between these pieces? uh because we see this everywhere it's too too much of something and, and not enough of something else um, but i guess it starts before we continue to interfere <laughs> to restore the balance m- mm-hmm. m- maybe we, we should start by listening um, because most species are older than us They they've been on this planet for a very long time uh, and so so they know lots of things about surviving, and they know lots of things about coexisting. Uh, and, and we are quite new to the idea of how should we live together. I mean, we struggle living together with other humans. <laughs> so, yeah. of course, we, we struggle more uh, living together with species that we don't even understand. Yeah. So I guess we, we, we could spend some more time Listening, what would really be the solution for for these dogs, uh, and what 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 do they wish for, and and what what could I do, or what could the community do? Because this is not a, a one man job mm. at all. So I guess that's the problem that we will not be able to agree, uh, because everyone will experience it differently. But it's it's just a, a symptom of how we have we have changed all these ecosystems. And even I mean, even the wars, uh, I've worked a lot in Jordan, and when the war in Syria started, the, the village where I stayed in Jordan was flooded with cats, stray cats that had to move from Syria to Jordan. Mm-hmm. So there are animal refugees uh, that we, we completely forget about uh, that are trying to find a way to live in a foreign place as well. So you know we uh, there are so many directions that different species are trying to survive in this in this imbalance. It's very hard to know where to begin, but I think a good place to begin is is to listen. It's like, can I create a more natural environment in my garden? Or um, we we have this horse. She expressed it quite beautifully. Uh, I try to find words now for it but she explained it as something that modern humans have forgotten because we're so busy all the time and we have to do so much. But she said that one thing that we could do is try to follow respect the natural order and the natural order for her wouldn't be a hierarchy Mm. or you know listen to the authorities. It was more like how the wind would blow through a grove of trees it will naturally come to one tree first and then follow the others. It doesn't mean that the first tree is more valuable, it just means that the wind is following this pattern and then it's gone again. So perhaps all our lives are are filled with these uh, small winds that we could follow. Mm-hmm. So if I wake up in the morning and I think, okay, so if I would follow the natural order of things today, where would I begin? And I've tried this, and and it's quite beautiful, because you end up listening to species that you wouldn't have found otherwise. And it doesn't mean that you don't do your daily chores. You know, it's uh, I, I tried this exercise with a group of students, and and some of them would meditate together with an animal, and some started to fix the fence, <laughs> or started to to clean the stable because because they were yeah. naturally put to actually do do something for the place and others mm-hmm. were put in positions to work with themselves. So so I think we we could the, the path to the outside world goes from the inside world. Mm-hmm. And but we believe that if we would follow that, we wouldn't be able to uphold the structure. But but I, I think it's the other way around. I, I think the structure is falling apart because we are not following it from the inside. Right. But do you feel that there is a
0: change happening because you know, I've spoken to a lot of people who are like, you know, spiritually awakened and they all seem to say, suggest that this is a very, uh, you know, even though it's a chaotic time, it's actually a good time. Uh, you know, uh, more and more people are opening up to compassion. Like I see the younger uh, kids these days, they're just more compassionate than
1: the older generation. So do you feel like this is a change happening? I, I totally agree. Uh I think just for the past ten years, lots have happened. Mm. I mean, I I started working with this almost thirty years ago and to tell anyone that you were communicating with other species was hopeless. It wouldn't even bring up the subject. And and, and now, only ten years later, mm. uh, it's it's something that you can naturally talk about to lots of people, even if they wouldn't agree. Uh, they still wouldn't think that you're completely crazy, um, and there is definitely more compassion. And, and uh, it's also uh, the other side. I mean, we see very selfish leaders and, and very strange decisions mm. when it comes to environmental issues and and wars and and starvation and all these things. But perhaps also as a result of that polarization, people wake up to see that well, this we don't right. want this. Right. Um and we have a horse here an, an elderly stallion and he loves people. I mean he, he just <laughs> loves the whole human race. And and he had this beautiful image where he said that you know, okay, so we see some bad things, uh, and and uh, whatever, yes, we do. But those people are very few, he said. If you really think of it, that's not the majority of the people on this planet. They just make a lot of noise. Um, but it's never before been so many people consciously working on trying to change themselves. Uh, never in history. That That's what he could see. So, uh, and, and I believe that's, that's really quite possible. And what's the um, name? His name is, is uh, Primo. <laughs> yeah, when
0: you know, when you're talking about uh, these horses, it's almost like I wish I was there to hug them.
1: <laughs> yes, and he loves when you hug him. Oh. And he also loves uh, that the children... Oh. Yeah, my children were always uh, sitting on him. and They still do. When when he's eating, they sit on him bareback because so he, he yeah because he feels like they are hugging him when he can feel their legs oh, <laughs> around <okay>. his stomach. <laughs> so so he's a very he's a very loving person. And he also said that you know when you practice compassion, he started said you know start by opening up your heart to to everyone you like because that's easy enough. You know the the animals and people around you that you love you take them all in and then you start by you know taking in others as well perhaps the neighbor that is annoying you little bit, and, <laughs> and then someone else that you don't really uh you, you practice opening up for them too and, and eventually you will even welcome yourself <laughs> <laughs> i like so his that, name he's, yes funky name yes and he's, he's amazing he's very old and i just hope that he will Continue, uh, but uh, we're grateful for as long as he's with us, basically. Um, I'm going to now come to the, you know, like, I've got
0: two more important things I wanted to speak to you about. One is like, you know, death or the transition, you know. And uh, in humans, we all know, like, normally there is conflict. There is a Mm -hmm. lot of resistance to let go of what is there, what we know. I am presuming yes. uh, animals don't have it. I have witnessed my own pets pass away. And they don't resist in the same way. There is a certain physical suffering at some point, but it's a different kind of a transition as opposed to
1: maybe like a human. Can you share something about that? Yes. Um, a big part of my work, I would say, is to meet animals that are close to, to dying Because either because we have so many animals here and naturally they die Mm. uh, when they are old and also people have lots of questions about this subject they maybe have an old animal at home and they don't know whether they should put them down or what to do or are they in pain and what do they want and all of that and I've never met an animal that is afraid of what will happen after death Um, animals just like people they they can have a fear of of going there you know will it be painful that the actual Mm. letting go Mm. Uh, um, and some animals will have a resistance to to some of of the issues in aging when we lose our abilities and and the 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 crisis that that can come with that but a lot still a lot less than us i I would say and there is, there is a, a kind of trust in them that uh, you can see it in, in in some humans, but but they seem to um, they seem to describe it as if they can live a life where they are allowed to be who they are and they're not completely suppressed and, and mm-hmm. traumatized. They would see aging as not diminishing. But, but opening to something greater. So it's like in the beginning of your life, you learn the soul and the body is merging and, and you spend a lot of time learning about who you are and how to use a body and how to be this body and how to be who you are supposed to be in the world. And it's all quite difficult perhaps. But then comes the later part in life where your, your consciousness is moving away from the body to latch onto the soul. Mm-hmm. um and if you do that work and if you accept that then the physical death is not such a huge transition. it's like the bigger transition seemed to be when the consciousness moves from our identity and personality and body to 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 start to become one with with the unseen with the undescribable with 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 with, with the soul basically. Mm-hmm. And the animals that, that do that transition and, and can speak about it, I understand that their stories can be very helpful for us, because we do it too, but we seem to believe that only humans do it, and we struggle so much more. Mm. Uh, so when, when I hear stories of animals doing that transition, it makes me very hopeful that perhaps I don't need to be so afraid of it myself. If I can accept that I don't own my life, it, it belongs to to God or the, the greater, mm. I, I borrow this experience and one day I will have to hand it back if I can truly accept that. Um and then, then then they have um lots of animals describe what they believe will happen next. Um and they describe it very similar. They describe it like uh like the personality going through like a sieve. Like when we die and we leave everything here, Mm -hmm. then all our cellular memories and our physical body will hand back its memory to Earth. Mm -hmm. So when new bodies are created from from these molecules, Mm -hmm. all these memories, we have access to them. I mean, we have access to all the knowledge of everyone who has ever lived in a way, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's part of our molecules. And then the soul continues, like what is untouchable, the the eternal part of us, of everything that lives, will continue. And then some animals describe it as if what follows the soul is our intentions. So our intentions uh, are following us to point a direction to where we are going next, or perhaps what will affect our karma in, in a future situation. It's like we can we can do things we can we can cause harm but without understanding it and that that would be different from causing harm and and wanting to cause harm because that would be a mm-hmm. difference in, in intention perhaps and and then they all describe that we we meet something that is completely loving okay they, they and they don't describe it as a person but it's still someone it's not a body <laughs> it's mm. not a face uh but it's someone and it's pure love I mean it's there would be no word I could use for it that would be big enough because all our words are created around this side of dying <laughs> no. so they will always be too small um but completely forgiving in in a way and in this this light of of complete compassion. Uh, we go through our life like every second of it. They even describe because you're outside of time. You can, mm-hmm. you can see every minute of it. Uh, it doesn't matter how long it takes, and and you understand the full consequence of your actions because you can feel how your actions have affected the other the outside world. And there are perhaps some insights here in into what our what have I done, and and how did it affect? And we can only, they describe it, like we can only come to this insight, if we don't feel judged, because if we feel judged, we will defend our actions, and we will not dare to truly see, you know, see everything in its full essence, in a way. It's quite beautifully described. And after that, they describe uh, forgetfulness, like, uh, like you would go to a deep sleep, and they say it's not worse than sleeping. When you sleep, you don't know where you are most of the time, and then you're awake, and it's fine. And it's like, so the cycle of of awake, uh, being awake, living your day, falling to sleep, and forgetting who you are, would also be like a description of the cycle between life and death, in a way. So, so, so we forget, and then, somehow, the, the big miracle, that out of this nothingness the individual is coming out again and and uh, if is it a, if it is the same soul that comes out or if we are a mixture of everyone if we are all taking part of one big story that that's different between different animals but one particular horse described it as a when you go out of life it's like you you go out of a door and there is a little mark above it and when you enter again there is a you go through the, the same there's the same mark so it's like when you go back in no matter how mixed you are with all other life you continue the same story so it's like you you put on your, your clothes of continuing the story so there seemed to be a personal continuation even if there is also an element where everything is merged together into one and and there is really no Fear at all of, of going to that place. So after sitting with so many animals that I have died in my arms, literally, uh, I, I truly believe that we are going to a good place. Even if I would never know, because mm-hmm. I, I believe none of us can never know. But I, I honestly don't think that we need to be afraid. Right. Of, of the passing. I mean, I would have as much fear as anyone else uh, about aging, and being sick, and having pain, and all of that. But I still, at this point, believe that we're going to a good place, somehow. All right,
0: Emily, I have like two little questions here, but you will have to log back in. Do you have time for this? Uh, yes. Okay, thank you. So I'm just going to end <laughs> it. And I'm just going to get into <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Emily, I've got to tell you, you know, you're the first guest. I, you know, I normally try to keep my podcast within the one hour limit. You're the first person. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, listeners have that much of a ability, but I think that would be very unfair to, like, you know, cut it out right now. So I'm going to just go back to those two things. So, one thing, do, it's, uh, two points there. Um, because what you're describing is when you say the you know, like a, like the horses have often told you, like this is what it is. So it's almost like they remember their passing On that same note, do they remember their past lives? And have you ever witnessed, like obviously so many animals have probably transited in front of you, but have you ever uh, been at the threshold where you've seen them move into that other sphere? Because you clearly can, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, yes. Yes. Uh... Uh, I meet uh, lots of animals that seem to relate to reincarnation um that seem to be like completely normal like it would be very strange if it wasn't mm. <laughs> uh, in, in in a way uh, and also, like the whole idea that everything is cycling, so life itself is incarnating, it's like, every body that dies will become uh, the material mm-hmm. of the next body, and th- they really don't seem to see an end of anything. And it's very, uh, uh, it's not dramatic at all, in that mm-hmm. description. And I do meet animals that can, that have stories that to me, definitely, uh, I can only see it as as a past life experience. And it seems to be similar to us in the sense that uh, some patterns are being repeated. Like like there is a story that didn't finish. So so it's continuing. Oh, okay. And, and 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 one horse, particularly that also can see this in humans, says that we can only let go of a cycle of experiences by living them fully. So, if it keeps repeating itself it's because we haven't had we we're, we're not full of that experience yet we need to go to the end of that experience and and when we have done that it's we have to let go because then we can't hold on to it whether we want or not hmm. so there seem to be a fulfilling of, of a story and, and and they seem to relate to that too uh but i never really s- I I think with humans that describes reincarnation, we seem to have steps and ladders and development. And you go from a a species that is less developed and then someone that is more developed. And this idea of more or less developed only seems to be with humans. Uh, Animals describe it more like you you can be a tree and then you are a cat. Perhaps you are a human. Perhaps you are a river. Uh, They don't seem to value Mm. it compare it and also because they don't have linear time. So they wouldn't really be going anywhere out of it. Uh, because it seems when you talk to animals about enlightenment, uh, there also seems to be different roads in it. I when the, my first pony died, the one that I had this experience with, mm. uh, when she died, uh, and I was with her when she died. And um, it was very clear to me that she was never going to come back in any possible way. It's like when she died, she became part of the entirety without any identification. It was like her story was split into a million different pieces, and she would never be put together again. And it it, it was really, really beautiful. And it made the whole grieving process different for me. Mm. And, and then it happened again with another horse called Doris. And When Doris died, and I asked her, she was very sick, and and I knew she was going very fast, and she knew it too. Uh, and, And she said that she had finished with the experience of being a singular being, that she would never be singular again. So there seem to be stories that doesn't end with a continuation of one turning into another one. Okay. also for animals and and the grieving process when such an individual goes for me personally has been completely different uh it, it's you miss them because you miss what you're used to have around you correct but it's very hard to be sad for them I, it's very hard to explain it it might sound like you're heartless but it's that's not how it is no, they're I get so you. free they're so free in that passing that it's I, I just felt when when the first pony went that I will never be alone again because she's everywhere now and, mm. and it was very similar when when this other horse went years later but in a very similar way uh, that they finished the concept of isolation uh, in, in a particular body so so I tend to believe that any any experience no matter what species you are can lead to that opening, and somehow it's always up to the individual. Um, and and I guess we can all help each other on that way. I, I guess uh, we see it when we train students in in in, in this compassionate uh, communication. That some students will have a glimpse, but perhaps it takes all the students that participate in that in that practice, even the ones that feel nothing and experience nothing, but they are there and they're trying and that means that someone else can actually get their glimpse. So I don't know how many people <laughs> and, and other species that are meditating and, and, and struggling inside, for, and it actually helps me and I don't know it. And I don't know how many times I'm helping others because it's always bigger than me. But it's uh, with those particular horses that left in that way. Uh, I, I don't think I will forget it for, for as long as I live. That was something different. And and then there are the ones that that knows where they are going, or or they clearly remember a particular story that that is to be continued. So there, there seem to be. I don't know, you know, nobody. I guess nobody really knows. But I'm thinking that. How much we can let go of identification in this lifetime uh, makes a lot of difference. Uh, And and it it will make a difference as to how I experience dying and how I experience the the, the cycling. Um, The more identified I am, the more similar it will be and the more of a repetition it will be, perhaps. And, But many other species seem to think that this is the place where we can do this work. We can't do the work when we are outside of the body. We can come to these insights, but to actually do it again in, in a different way, it, 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 that's here, in this life. It's like if there is anything we should do in this lifetime, it, it should be to try to change our patterns or to break free from our limitations because this is this great chance to to do that in this lifetime if if we choose to so the more you speak to animals about these subjects the more important it feels to to really to really make make use of your time or to to not waste it because a lifetime no matter how old we will get a lifetime is quite short really yeah, yeah.
0: and you know finally you know to kind of come to my last question so um, Human beings, you know, we have a desire for enlightenment, you know, maybe for whatever reason you've gone through similar loopholes and loops and same lifetimes, many lifetimes, and then you get tired of it. And you say, Now let's try to look for something else. But it's still yes. you know, <laughs> that seeking desire. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anim- animals don't have it, do they? It's like it's uh, it's not like a desire. It's like uh how no, would I would you put say it?
1: that yeah, I, I would say that uh in, they would also have a longing to be close to the Creator or to be close to mm. the divinity or God. But because they are less detached from it, they would perhaps more describe it as a as how you long for someone that you love. You don't want to be separated from the one you love. While while our desire, is perhaps a, a little bit more painful in a way, <laughs> or because because we have more of a, of a perhaps we have a big, bigger experience of a loss, uh, and 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 their relationship to the divinity is is more direct, or perhaps more in a way more childlike. Uh, it's more open. Um, but I, I this pony that described the that we enter through the same mark in the door. Uh, She always say that she likes the forgetfulness, because she would be enlightened perhaps by human standards too. Mm But she said she prefers to forget, uh, because then she can fall in love with God again, uh, and she can do it all over again like it never happened before. (laughs) So she prefers to do the cycle uh, because, because of that longing. She loves the longing. So I guess that's another way of looking at it. All right. um, but I don't meet animals that want to be finished in that way, in o- meaning I want to get out of this life. They can say that they want to get out of the pattern, but they okay. uh, th- th- there is a love for this creation that I think also would be very helpful if we could find it a bit more, uh, because it would probably make us more generous and it would probably make us... Mm-hmm. Uh, Take care of this, of each other uh, and of this planet uh, a bit more. We wouldn't just think about that. I want enlightenment for me because I want to be free. It would more be that I want to to serve this planet so that there is enlightenment for everyone in, in, in a way. That mm. could be a difference.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Emily, you know, thank you so much for taking our time to do this. You know, I can't tell you, like, while I was speaking to you, like, uh, um, I don't know if it makes sense, but I could actually feel like you know, the animals have a very... Um, they have an essence of innocence, if I may put it that way. Yes,
1: and yes, I, could, I, I agree, definitely. I could sense it through you.
0: Thank was, you. <laughs> <while> <laughs> Thank was you so
1: much. While uh, you were
0: speaking, and uh, I'm very sure the listeners will get it as well. So, everybody listening in, I am going to be dropping a link to Emily's website for her sanctuary, please, please do check it out. Emily's also written a book called All the King's Horses. Yes. Am I right, Emily? Yes, that's true. So please check that out. And uh, the sanctuary could do with a little bit of help right now. So if you're listening and no help is small. So to everybody listening there, true. please. It would be great if you could just go click on the link and do your little bit, all of us actually, uh, really would appreciate that. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for joining in.